Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. We, we all, all share, share a love for Maine's environment. Every day, decisions are made that could impact our woods, waters, wildlife, and climate. Join us as we share stories of Mainers working to build healthier communities and protect what makes Maine so special. Welcome back to Frontline Voices. I'm your host, Colin Durant. It's the holiday season, which means a lot of gifts, a lot of food, and a lot of waste. Now, Mainers, by their nature, are frugal. We don't like waste. It's kind of part of who we are. Uh, But when we go to the store, some stores, or we order something online, we're faced with sort of a deluge of plastic, all this wasteful packaging, um, and it drives most of us crazy. So what can we do about it? Well, we're joined by Laura Marston, the owner of the Maine-based plastic-free zero-waste business, GoGo Refill. They've got two stores in South Portland, Brunswick, and Vanessa Berry, NRCM Sustainable Maine Outreach Coordinator, to talk about tips and ideas for reducing waste at home. Laura and Vanessa, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to give our listeners a chance to get to know you and learn from all all that great ex- ex- expertise you've got. Awesome. Pleasure to be here. Hi. Thanks for having me, guys. So I wanted to start with Laura and give you a chance, just a chance to talk about your business, Go Go Refill. I know the team at NRCM has long admired your work, your business leadership on waste reduction and re- reuse. And I'd love to hear about your mission and what you're doing in your stores. Great. Um, we say that we're on a mission to spread the joy of low waste living. Um, and we do that a couple of ways. We're here to help people who are trying to reduce their waste and specifically to ditch single use plastics. Um, the way we do that is we offer bulk refills of home and body products. So for example, when your laundry detergent container is empty, don't recycle it, bring it into GoGo refill. We will refill it with an earth and body friendly, um, very concentrated product. Um, so we like to say that we have your home and body basics covered. So laundry detergent, hand soap, dish soap, shampoo and conditioner, and all sorts of other things. Um, we really try to meet people wherever they are on their low waste journey. So if it's their first step or if they're a season zero waster, we are, um, you know, ready for you with friendly help along the way. Um, one thing to note is you can bring your own container. Uh, but if you don't have a container or you don't know where to start, just come on in and we'll help you from step one. I love what you said about meeting people where you are, right? There's like no right way to do this. You, it Like everybody, everybody uh, comes from different experiences, comes from different places. And it's like, there's no boxes you have to check to be an environmentalist or do this stuff, right? Like it's just about trying it out and doing it, exactly. right? Yep. So do you have some favorite exactly. tips you uh, you give your customers or that you like people that want to get started living a life with less plastic, less waste? Do you have some favorite tips you give them as like a starting point? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, number one, there's no wrong place to start. So if there is you have an idea of something that you can reduce, start there. Um, if you're looking for inspiration, um, we always recommend doing a waste audit. Um, it can be a very low tech operation. <laughs> really, I live in a town that doesn't have um, waste removal. So we go to the transfer station ourselves. So for our family, we just took one week of trash and we poured it out on the floor of the, you know, on the driveway and got some sticks and separated it all to really see what kind of trash we were truly making. Um, and from there, we said, okay, well, maybe we don't need to buy coffee cups 
one, we're out. Maybe that's an easy place to start. And um, so, you know, learning about what kind of waste you're actually making. Other than that, you know, if you say, um, you know, you wanted to try, you look in your kitchen, under your kitchen sink and say, hey, that's a lot of plastic bottles. Maybe I could start there. Um, we also always remind people that the least wasteful thing to use is the thing that you already own. So um, start, you know, not going out and just like wholesale buying everything new, but, um, you know, picking off things one at a time when they run out is a great place to start. I love those tips. That's great. And of course, you know, part of what NRCM does, and we recognize that for things to truly change, for us to tackle these big problems like plastic pollution, we're going to need systemic change with policies like this first ever EPR for packaging law that Maine passed a few years ago, thanks to people like Laura and other business owners who stepped up. Um, and that's undergoing rulemaking right now. But, you know, that change starts with individual action that inspires this broader action. And that's part of why I'm so excited to have you both here Um you know, Maine has this great track record of local groups pu pushing for change in their town that led to statewide action, stuff like single use plastic bags and other issues. So, Vanessa, I just wanted to bring you in now and I'd love to just get a sense from you of where you're seeing local groups in Maine taking action. Like, what are they focused on now? Yeah, there are a lot of groups that are trying to tackle these issues. Um, and one of the really amazing things is Maine is kind of, is one small town. And so a lot of these groups know each other, they work together okay. and, you know, they, they collaborate and share ideas, um, which helps build momentum towards like a greater movement for more sustainability in the state. Um, so some examples of that, uh, over the summer, we saw a group of York high school students trying to tackle single use plastics in their community. Um, they're trying to find a solution to eliminate a lot of unnecessary single use plastics in restaurants and local businesses. Um, and so they've made some movements there. Um, in other examples, uh, in the area of food waste, the Humane Mitchell Center um, has done a lot of pilot projects with individual communities to help them compost, learn more about places they can donate edible food um, and recover those resources, keep those out of landfills. Um, and then we also are seeing, you know, this reuse movement, which mm. I think is kind of an old school way of doing things, but we're we're seeing it kind of come back around again. And um, Laura and I are actually both part of the coalition in Portland called Reuse Portland. Um, yes. And they're working to uh, move to reuse systems in, you know, events, event venues and trying to um, encourage people to ditch the single use cups and go reuse instead. So there are lots of different ways that, you know, this is happening in Maine and all of them are leading to more sustainability, which is a great thing. Yeah, I love that. And if, and if you're like one of those local groups or a local resident that's like trying to get started, you know, I'll just give a shout out to Vanessa and Sarah on our team as great resources that can give you places to start, but also just connect you with these other groups. Like Vanessa said, I'm not surprised that people are working together and learning from each other. Um, Vanessa, one of the programs you help manage that I just wanted to touch on real briefly so people know about it is this really effective micro grant program for schools and local groups that help them implement change. Can you just give people a quick overview of our sustainability grant program and then just detail a few of your favorite grants from the past year? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, so our sustainability grants are open for nonprofit grassroots groups, uh, schools, 
and just, you know, other um, local movements related to waste issues um, in particular. But, you know, it, that can take a lot of different forms. Um, some of the projects that we've funded in the past have, you know, been more, um, you know, source reduction and reuse. So like schools that want to go reusable trays in their dining uh, halls and trying to get a dishwasher so that they can eliminate some of those single use trays and the utensils that we're seeing in the schools. Um, so they might do that or they might try to get composting going in their classrooms and getting students involved and um, dealing with food waste. Uh, so those are a couple examples of things that we see a lot. Um, some of the ones that I've been working on in the most recently, and I'm really excited about, um, we offered a grant to the Curtis Memorial Library uh, just this summer, and they are running programming on how to repair things, um, you know, gifting items that maybe aren't tangible items, but things like, um, uh, I'm trying to think about some of the things that they're doing. They're doing some really amazing uh, re-gifting ideas and like coupon books for services that you can um, give to friends and family versus a tangible item that maybe they want, maybe they don't want. Um, but offering up free babysitting night or I'll do the dishes or things like that for family. That. Um, so they have a bunch of programming that they're doing and they needed a lot of equipment to help that going. Um, so we helped supply some of that equipment. And then they also take that material and turn it around and put it in their library of things. And if you don't know anything about library of things, we did a social media bit on that. Um, we are a big fan of libraries of things because it helps um, the library is the hub for all these resources, and you can just check them out just like you do books at the library. So um, things like KitchenAid mixers, routers, um, you know, belt sanders, weird pieces of equipment that you might only use once or twice in a year. You can check those out at the library instead of buying them and keeping them in your garage and having them take up a bunch of space. So um, we worked with that library to provide them some things that go to their library. Um, but also were incorporated into a lot of the programming that they were doing. Um, so that's one example. Uh, another one that we have been working on um, was in coordination with a group in Damerscotta called the Community Reuse Project. Um, we offered them some reuse party packs, so sets of dishes and utensils and glassware um, and things that they could loan out for community events. So they're cutting down on waste in their local community events um, and it's hosted out of the YMCA and they just let me know that the YMCA is like completely zero waste events now because they have this infrastructure mm -hmm. and they're doing all the dishwashing. So um, really good stuff happening in our local communities and this is a resource to take advantage of. So if you have questions about the grants, please. I love talking about these pro projects with you. I love that. Okay, let, let's just shift to the holidays now and talk about gift giving and sort of how consumption oriented we have become. I think we'll do sort of like um, quick questions here. And I'd love to hear from both of you because you, like I said, you're such a wealth of knowledge, but I'd love to hear from both of you first on this question of like gift giving, you know, consumption. How can we check ourselves on this? It's so like easy to just hit. I mean, I've, I've done it like hit by, right. And then done. But so I'd love to hear from you, like, kind of tips you tell people about gifts and, and how to tackle that consumption urge. It's really tough this time of year. If yeah. you're a person who cares and spends all their time talking about and trying to reduce waste, it can be, you have, I have to like do some deep breathing exercises. Um, but my, I guess my number one tip is don't be afraid to give second hands. 
And yeah. so we do it. I do a ton of secondhand gifting for my kids and my family. Um, luckily, we live in a place that has amazing secondhand stores. So, um, you know, for sporting equipment, um, I go to Woods and Waters here in Brunswick, mm. which is fantastic. Um, I'm on my way to Plato's this afternoon because I have a tween daughter who wants some Lululemon, you know, so um, like looking for those secondhand resources is always a good place to start. Nice. Hopefully your daughter's not listening. I... Now she knows what she's <laughs> no, getting. She should be in school. <laughs> <laughs> I would just, I would build off of that. Um, and another piece of advice is just gifting experiences for people. Mm, um, yeah. So for example, some of the best gifts I've ever gotten are like concert tickets to see people that I like when they come to Maine or when they come to New England. Um, I got some really good concert tickets. Unfortunately, I didn't get to use them because I got them right before the pandemic and then that all <laughs> happened. But it was a great gift. Um, and so I like I love the the experiential stuff. Mm. Like, you know, if you think carefully about that person, things that they enjoy and something that you might enjoy together that you could do together, um, you know, without having to buy a thing, like, you know, a a piece of paper saying, I'm going to take you to go do this activity that's really meaningful to the both of us um, is a really great gift and it comes from a good place. Um, you can also consider, you know, maybe um, I know a couple of friends of mine have done donations uh, in somebody's name to a, a cause that they're really passionate about. So that's another really good way to, you know, be thoughtful of a person and, and their interests around the holidays, but also a little philanthropic. Um, as we get into the season. I love that. I know one place you can donate to. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> NRC. All right. Um, so Laura, I love that you brought up food waste audits at my old job uh, at, in a sustainability office at a university. We did a lot of those, or not food waste audits, but waste audits. We did a lot of those waste audits. And actually food was like one of those items that really jumped out at people. And one of the biggest areas of waste we see is food. So uh, I'd love to hear, uh, like, why why do we need to tackle food waste, and what are some tips that you might tell people for reducing food waste? Oh yeah, I mean, I think I always mess up the statistic, but I think if food waste was a country, they would be like the fourth largest carbon emissions or something. Um, I feel like that really brings it to light. Um, so tips for reducing, I mean, the number one tip is the starting at the end is compost making sure that you have compost like this time of year if you're traveling for the holidays um if you're being if you're being hosted somewhere where there isn't composting and you know them well enough and you need a five gallon bucket to bring with you you can come to go go and get a five gallon bucket i tote one with me um to make sure that you know not only composting for myself but I, you can compost for a whole party and yeah they think you're weird but they already know you so um <laughs> You know, so, you know, that is the, the end of the cycle, but at the beginning of the cycle, just like when you're looking at entertaining, we all can go to the grocery store and get excited and, and um, get that one impulse, you know, few impulse items, but those are the things that are generally left behind. So making a good list, shopping for your list. If you, if you have a local food co-op um, or someplace that you can buy in bulk or, or in tiny amounts, you know, so for your spices, um, for things that you don't necessarily need a whole lot of, you can buy exactly the amount you need. Um, also sharing. I love <laughs> who ever needs a whole bunch of herbs. Does someone else, does your neighbor, does a friend need the same thing? Can you share it? Um, so it's not going to waste. I love that. 
Vanessa? Yeah. I love the idea of like coordinating, coordinating your menu with guests. Like if you're doing a potluck, really making sure like no two people are bringing a ham um, and that sort of thing. I think that's really helpful at combating food waste because then there's not an excessive amount of one type of food. You can spread the love a little bit. Um, I'm also a big fan um, of bringing the compost bucket to family parties. I'm the recycling bin and the compost bucket person for my family. Um, It's always been that way because I just really care about it and I want to make sure it's done right. So it's kind of my job at holiday events. Um, But also making sure you encourage people to bring their own Tupperware. So if there's leftovers at the end of a holiday event, I know Thanksgiving is a big one and we've kind of already passed that one, but around, you know, the other holidays, there's lots of food waste and lots of food to go around at the end of the night. Um, So bring your own Tupperware. Um, I know that sounds a little funky, but um, it's a good way to just make sure that that food gets eaten um, at the end of the day. And yeah, I think this is another opportunity to like build community and share these resources. Um, I know some folks will post on my local Buy Nothing group, um, part of a Buy Nothing page on Facebook. And when we have like an excess of something I might you know send a message out to our Facebook group and just see if somebody has use for that because you know not everybody gets to spend time with their family around the holidays or has the means to to buy a holiday dinner um so it's nice to be able to share that way too Mm, I love those ideas thank you um and how about just general tips for reducing waste during the holidays? It's always there's always like that trip to the transfer station after the holiday can be legit. Um, what are the best ways that you guys sort of or tips you have for for avoiding creating too much waste? What are some thoughts there? I can start. Um, I think one thing that we really do need to be more mindful about just in society in general is is the consumption and maybe taking a second or taking, you know, sleeping on it before making a purchase and really considering, you know, do I need this thing or, or, you know, do I need to buy this thing? Um, Can I get it secondhand? Can I get it from someone else? You know, go through that kind of mental checklist before we buy things um, and slow it down a little bit because it's Mm -hmm. very easy to add to cart. Um, and, and so like, I think just a more overall mindfulness about, do we need this thing? Are we going to use it in five years? Um, Yankee swaps are one. I see a lot of this where I get something that I might not necessarily have use for. Um, so I try to be really thoughtful and like maybe go local in that and support my local business owners with some pottery or, um, you know, something that I think is really practical that people will get a lot of use out of for years to come. So in the weeks between Thanksgiving and the end of the year, we make 25% more trash Mm. over and above all the five pounds of trash per day per person that we already make. Um, So there's a lot of low hanging fruit. There are a lot of ways to do better. Um, So yeah, the gift giving, um, but also the wrapping, you know, Mm. there's no need to buy wrapping paper. Um, You have all the packing paper that came with all the things you ordered. (laughs) Um, you can decorate the paper box, use a paper bag, mm-hmm. um, and get creative with it. Um, can be really, really fun. Um, decorating. I know a lot of people are going in for like new decorations all the time, but kind of the ones that you grew up with are the more sentimental. Um, we do a natural tablescape, so we'll go outside and clip 
pine and berries and stuff like that and get rocks and candles that we already have and kind of make our centerpiece okay. that way um so and also in terms of entertaining uh definitely re you know using reusables instead of disposables for parties mm -hmm. uh one tip i have is if you don't have enough plates or cups have your guests bring their own um like you know BYO tacky cup and see who wins the award, right? <laughs> uh, so people enjoy, it makes the party nicer if you're eating with a real fork and plate anyway. And if they're, you know, really your friends, they'll help you do the dishes. Perfect. That's right. They better help with the dishes. Um, uh, and of course, it's really important just to, uh, talking about the transfer station that people once you're heading there, you double check, you know, what your local transfer station accepts, what it doesn't. You know, we know and we've seen that corporations will often put a recycling symbol on something that isn't recyclable or isn't recyclable in your area. Uh, and then when it ends up at the dump in the transfer station, it can sort of gunk things up. And that actually costs transfer station money. It costs the town money, which then costs you money because you pay for all of it. So um, Vanessa, I didn't know if you had anything you wanted. You used to work at EcoMain. If you have any tips or anything you wanted to talk about real quickly about that, like just when you're bringing all this stuff to the transfer station. Yes. Um, my first and most important tip is to know where it goes. Um, like learn where your recycling goes, learn where your trash ends up. Um, being aware of that process, because it, it's often not as intuitive as you might think, um, especially if you're, you know, you have curbside recycling, it just gets picked up and delivered somewhere. Um, so knowing the destination for this stuff is like the first step. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, make sure you check the acceptable list and make sure that you're putting things that are only acceptable in your recycling bin, because more often than not, um, you know, if you put something in and you're not sure, that can do a lot more harm than good because mm -hmm. it can it can make it harder to recycle the things that we are well-intentioned in putting in the bin and we hope that it'll end up being recycled um the more stuff we we kind of wish cycle and mm -hmm. you know aspirationally put things mm -hmm. in the recycling bin the more um you know they have to manually pull those things out and the more trash that they have to kind of pick out and it ends up going into the trash anyway. So mm -hmm. sometimes when we are well-intentioned and think that we're doing the right thing, we can actually be kind of putting a wrench in the system. Yeah. Yeah. And of course it shouldn't all be up to us, which is why that EPR for packaging law is so important. Some of the systemic changes so important, like corporations shouldn't be putting that burden on, on us to figure out. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I just wanted to wrap up by asking you both just individual sort of questions about the future. Vanessa, I know we think a lot about reuse here at NRCM. You've talked about it. You just talked about it early in the podcast. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, what reuse means to you and why, you know, why it's so important? Yeah. Um, and I'll reference something um, called the waste hierarchy. So people who talk low waste living all the time, we're pretty familiar with this. And most people in the public are at least familiar with the top three. So the, the it's a pyramid of kind of how we manage our waste. And it starts with reduce, reuse, recycle. Now, this is an order of preference. So recycling is third, and it's third for a reason, because it takes a lot of energy to coordinate getting the stuff mm. from your home to a recycler, gets processed somewhere else, they use a lot of energy to do that. So 
the easiest way to address the waste problem that we're having is to reuse and reduce things. So say no when we can, avoid over-consuming. Um, and then when we have these items, if we can get a second chance at life out of them in our own home, that's ideal. So finding ways to repurpose stuff, um, it cuts down that carbon footprint of our packaging. It cuts down the carbon footprint footprint of our um, dishes, um, you know, every time that we use these things. So reuse is definitely closer to the solution to our waste problem. Recycling is really good for the items that we have and, you know, we've got too much of and we have to get rid of it. Um, it's better than throwing things in the landfill, but we really need to get to the reduction and reuse if we want to solve some of this overflowing waste issue that we have in the state. Thank you. And Laura, I'd love to wrap up by hearing kind of like your vision for the future. How are we working together to, you know, live a healthier, more sustainable lives? What does that look like to you? Well, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> so Gogo Refill has been open for about four and a half years. And together with our refill community, we've been able to refuse over 200,000 plastic packages. Um, Amazing. So to say that aloud feels great, but also it's just, you know, we still feel like we're at the beginning of this, um, this whole experiment. So we're trying to build a community and build a market um, so we can support um, the sustainable, you know, these sustainable goods of what, you know, we think there are lots of people who want this. So we're still trying to reach as many people as we can. Um, you know, obviously legislation, as we talked about, is going to play a huge role in how we actually solve these problems. So making sure that we are advocating and also getting people out there to vote for um, for candidates who have climate action at the top of their, their plan is super important. Um, I think that we're just gonna continue trying to make this process fun and invite people in with us um, and collaborating with our, our friends at NRCM and beyond who are fighting the fight with us. Um, yeah. That's perfect. And, you know, I love building the community, having, you know, having fun. That's important too. And we're grateful to have you as part of our community. We're grateful you're building a community. People should go to gogorefill.com if they want to learn more about Laura's business. Uh, of course, I can't end this interview though, without asking Vanessa about one of my personal obsessions, which is e-bikes. Vanessa got an e-bike. I think earlier this year, right? And as, do you have one too, Laura? Yeah, yeah Laura has one too. too. What? All right, well, I can ask you both about it. I like my mind, it's blowing my mind. But as listeners might recall, and as all of my friends know, I'm a huge fan of e-bikes. I think they're an affordable, healthy, climate-friendly transportation solution for Maine. Just a ton of opportunity out there. So I was going to ask Vanessa, but now I can ask you both about your experience with your e-bike. I would just love to hear about it and how it's changed, how you get around, how it's changed your life, et cetera. Yeah, I, I can start. Um, I So I live in Gardner and we have a giant hill going into our downtown, which is one of the reasons I was inspired to think about e-bikes as kind of a way to assist me in getting into, you know, into my local businesses on Main Street and, um, you know, without having to get a car because I live too close to to feel like a car is necessary. Um, but biking was really daunting because there's a giant hill that you got to go up and down to get into, you know, the downtown area. So um, 
I really enjoyed it because it's made going, you know, shorter distances, you know, that really don't necessitate a car, but are too far to walk that kind of in between space. Um, it's made them way more accessible to me. And, um, and it gets me outside, it gets me enjoying different parts of um, my community. Uh, I, you know, Google Maps takes me on weird routes when I go on my bike. So I get to see neighborhoods that I have never really explored before. Um, and yeah, I, I've just loved every minute of it. It makes it a little bit easier to pedal around, but you still get to actually ride a bike because mine's just a pedal assist. I don't, I don't use the throttle, but, um, really amazing. It's been a game changer. Love it. How about you, Laura? I, to I totally agree. I love it. I, I live eight miles from the South Portland go-go store. So I, I was commuting most of my South Portland days, I was riding my bike. I rode over 500 miles in the few months I had it over the summer. I'm not a winter e-biker. I, I more power to you guys, but <laughs> um, but it was great. I loved it. I felt like a kid out there, like pedaling and going flying down the hill, like up the hills. It was so fun. It's a really hilly ride from my house to the store. So um, it was a blast. That's awesome. Um, well, I mean, this just made my day. I got to speak <laughs> with not just one, but two e-bike owners, but also talk with you both about waste and waste reduction and zero waste living. It's it's just really exciting. Laura, I've wanted to have you on for a while. Vanessa, we haven't had you um, on the podcast. Or Vanessa, excuse me. We haven't had you on the podcast. Laura, I've wanted you on for a while. And Vanessa, I just want to say I've always appreciated the energy, enthusiasm, that expertise you bring to waste issues here at NRCM. Um, Laura, we're great, so grateful to have local business owners like you who, across Maine who are dedicated, you know, not only to being more environmentally responsible and protecting the nature of Maine we know and love, but just like walking the talk, getting out, and then also helping us out with that policy work. So thank you both for joining us. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, great. And thanks for our listeners, uh, to our listeners for tuning in. I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season and happy new year. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment, Frontline, Frontline Voices. Voices. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work protecting Maine's environment, visit nrcm.org or follow us on social media at NRCM Environment.